Thank you for joining us in this new year. If you are new to the World Video Bible School podcasts, we want to make you aware that in addition to this weekly podcast, WVBS also distributes a podcast titled Spotlight on the Word, which is a complement to our free interactive Bible reading plan. You can search for the Spotlight on the Word podcast in the app of your choice and find a downloadable version of the interactive Bible reading plan from the WVBS website. Now, this week's lesson comes from one of the episodes in the Spotlight on the Word series by Mike Vestal. Join Mike as he gives a brief overview of the importance of the Old Testament and focuses on how each Old Testament book speaks about the coming of the Messiah. What a wonderful book the Bible is. The Bible is a book by God and about God and the relationship that He wants to have with us men and women. We were made in the image of God, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. But by choosing to sin, something precious, something that's really to be treasured was lost. This vital, precious relationship with God. And through Jesus, we can have that relationship again. Because of His going to the cross, you and I can have a saving relationship with God. We can be with Him forever in heaven. So the Bible is an important book. It's an essential book, a crucial book, because it is a book by God, from God, and about God. On one occasion, some individuals came to followers of Jesus and said, Sir, we would see Jesus, John chapter 12 and verse 21. What a wonderful attitude, what a wonderful spirit, the desire to see Jesus. And when we look at the 66 books that make up the pages of the Bible, one of our greatest desires needs to be to see Jesus to get this idea of God and who He is and what He is like and the great lengths to which He has gone so that you and I can have a saving relationship with Him. Jesus Himself had a very high view of the Old Testament. For example, in John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40, Jesus said, You search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And the Lord goes on to say about those very scriptures, They bear witness of me. In verse 40 of John chapter 5, our Lord goes on to say, You will not come to me that you might have life. It was amazing how some of the people in the very day of Jesus could look at the Old Testament and not see Jesus but I tell you what, there are many people today that can look at the Old Testament and see nothing of Jesus, even though He can constantly be found in the promises, in the prophecies, and in the types, the figures that are found in the Old Testament. These types are figures, are pictures, pictures of, you will, of, uh, if you will, of a far greater reality that would come in Jesus and the New Testament. What I'd like to do in the course of our study is to just take the 39 books of the Old Testament, books that indicate Jesus is coming, and show you how each one 
can tell us something about Jesus. We must know God in order to have eternal life. That's what the Bible says in John 17 verse 3. The Apostle Paul would write that I may know Him, that is Jesus, and the power of His resurrection, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. David would tell his, so his son Solomon shortly before his death in 1 Chronicles 28 verse 9, Only know the God of your father and serve him with a perfect heart and willing mind. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, oh people, how we need to look at the Bible to see Jesus. So let's take these 39 books as a way of seeing Jesus. And so much more could be said about Jesus than we're going to be able to say in this one session. But my, there's so much of Jesus to be seen in the Old Testament. In the book of Genesis, we see Jesus. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, he is intimated there is something of the first gospel proclamation being done. Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden and God speaks and he speaks of one who would come who would be the seed of woman in Genesis 3.15 and this seed of woman would bruise or crush Satan's head, the serpent's head. While the serpent would bruise the seed's heel, the seed of woman would crush the serpent's head. Paul would refer to this very event in Romans 16, 20. And you see that we have a God who in His mind from the very beginning devised a plan so that you and I could again be right with God the eternal purpose that He purposed in the church, Ephesians 3, verses 9 through 11. You look at the book of Exodus, and what does it tell us of Jesus? Jesus is the Lamb. In Exodus chapter 12, the blood of the Lamb is placed on the, uh, the doorpost, and God would pass over those families that had honored His will by following His commands regarding these things. You look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, Paul would write, Jesus is our Passover, our Passover lamb. It is because of Jesus and what he does at the cross that you and I can be declared righteous before God. Our sins can be cleansed and we can have a saving relationship with him. We are delivered and we can be with Him forever. You look at the book of Revelation, and ironically, this early book, Exodus, speaking of Jesus as the Lamb, the book of Revelation does the same, the last book of the Bible, the last book of the New Testament. Twenty-eight times in the 22 chapters of Revelation, Jesus is called the Lamb. It is by far the most common name by which He's called in the book of Revelation. It brings to our remembrance something said about Jesus when He was walking the earth when John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John 1 and verse 29. Having looked at Genesis and Exodus, let's consider Leviticus. Leviticus indicates that Jesus is the great high priest. The very name Leviticus means pertaining to the Levites. 
while Jesus was not of the tribe of Levi, Hebrews chapter 7, verses 12 through 14, Jesus would come to this earth, a member of the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49 and verse 10, and go to the cross, make the perfect sacrifice, and now in heaven serves as our great high priest. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. What a marvelous story the story of Jesus is as it unfolds throughout the pages of the Bible. What a magnificent story it is. Then we come to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. Numbers is a clear indication that although it may have taken the people of God only one night to get out of Egypt, it would take 40 years to get Egypt out of God's people, Israel. And because of a lack of trust and a lack of obedience and constant murmuring, bickering, and complaining, a generation would die in the book of Numbers and another generation would come on that would eventually enter the promised land. And even though the book of Numbers deals with the justice of God and the passing of an unbelieving generation, even then... It deals with the provision of God. Numbers deals with the fact that our God provides. Jesus provides. Even as Israel wandered in the wilderness, they were given guidance. The pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire at night. Our God guides us. In Psalm 119 verse 105, the Bible speaks of God's Word as a lamp to our feet a light to our path. Like the psalmist of old, may we truly say, My heart stands in awe of your word. Psalm 119 and verse 161. Then we come to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy has to do with instructing a new generation of people how they should live in order to please God. It is a book that emphasizes the love and gracious provision of God so very much. But when you get to Deuteronomy and you ask the question, where is Jesus? You can turn to Deuteronomy 18 and look at verses 15 through 19 when Moses speaks of a prophet who would come a prophet like unto me. Think about Moses and what a great prophet he was. He was a giver of the law. He brought down the old law uh, from God, from that mountain. Remember Exodus chapter 20? Jesus is an even greater lawgiver. You think of Moses and the times that he interceded for uh, the people of Israel, how he pled for them. Jesus is the great intercessor. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Hebrews 7 and verse 25. Then you come to the book of Joshua. The name Joshua means salvation. And Joshua was the commander, the captain of God's people Israel as they would enter into the land of promise and take it. Jesus is the captain of our salvation, Hebrews 2, verses 9 and 10. And like Joshua, he provides for us the promised land, a far greater land, a far greater rest than even that that Joshua would give. Hebrews 4, verses 1 through 11. Then we come to the book of Judges. 
The book of Judges is about a sordid and sinful period in history. When basically Judges 17 verse 6 says, Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. People would go the way of sin, and then when they had to deal with the consequences of sin, they would cry out in brokenheartedness and repentance, God help us! And God would send judges or deliverers. God has always been concerned about cruelty and sin. And when we think about the book of Judges and how it points to Jesus, the Lord is the righteous judge. 2 Timothy 4 verses 6 through 9, The Lord is the one who will do what is right. Genesis 18, 24 and 25. It is a great feeling of comfort and encouragement to know that we have a judge in Jesus who knows what it's like to go through all the things we do as men and women, and yet He did it without sin. He perfectly relates to God because He is God, John 1 and verse 1, and yet He is like us as well yet without sin. Hebrews 2 verses 17 and 18, and although we may not be able to explain that fully, we don't have to, to trust in its truthfulness. Jesus is our judge. Having looked at Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, Joshua and Judges, we come to the book of Ruth. In the book of Ruth, Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Ruth chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. The book of Ruth evidently was written in the period of the judges, and in a time that was so sinful, the book of Ruth is like a blooming flower that is fragrant with a wonderful aroma. You think about the book of Ruth, and Ruth has lost her husband. She is a stranger in the land of Israel, and there she is with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And there is one present who is distantly related to Naomi who steps up. His name is Obed and Boaz, rather. And Boaz takes the view that I want to take Ruth as my wife and provide for her. And from that family of Boaz and Ruth, the Lord would eventually come. David would be related to that family, and the Lord Himself would eventually come. God takes care of people who pursue Him. Then we come to the book of 1st and 2nd Samuel. What does 1st and 2nd Samuel tell us about Jesus? It tells us that Jesus is David's son. One of the more frequent designations for Jesus in the New Testament is son of David. Matthew 22 verses 43 through 45. But the son of David would be greater than David for David would call him Lord. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16, God speaks to David of one who would come through his lineage, through his genealogy, and that this individual would have an eternal, everlasting kingdom. There would be no end to his throne. 
That's First and Second Samuel. What about First and Second Kings? You read First and Second Kings. What does it tell us about Jesus? Well, it tells us a good bit about Solomon. Many of us are familiar with Solomon and his wealth and his wisdom. But in Matthew 12 and verse 42, Jesus would say, A greater than Solomon has arisen. A greater than Solomon has come. We can see Jesus as one far greater than Solomon, far more wise because in Him there is all wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25 and Colossians 2 and verse 3. And in Jesus is wealth untold. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly, in the heavenly places is to be found in Jesus. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Then we come to First and Second Chronicles. What do First and Second Chronicles tell us about Jesus? What a great question. Sir, we would see Jesus. You read First and Second Chronicles and there is an emphasis upon the king and especially from a priestly perspective. And one of the things that we're going to see about Jesus as the Old Testament unfolds is that Jesus would be the perfect prophet, the perfect priest, the perfect king. Indeed, that is what he is. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Revelation 19 and verse 16. After looking at First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, we can also look at Ezra. What does Ezra tell us about Jesus? Ezra would basically indicate that Jesus is the faithful scribe. One of my favorite verses in the book of Ezra is Ezra 7 verse 10. Ezra set his heart to seek the will of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. You think about Jesus as the faithful scribe. He set his heart to seek the will of the Lord. John 4, 34. John 6 and verse 38. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus cries out, Your will be done, O God. Matthew 26 verses 39 through 42 to seek the will of God and to do it and to teach others. And in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus gives us our marching orders to teach the world about Him. In Nehemiah, Jesus is the restorer and the rebuilder. Jesus rebuilds a relationship that had been broken and shattered due to sin. Nehemiah dealt with the walls around Jerusalem, but Jesus deals with the problem of sin and restores a right relationship with God for us. The just died for the unjust that we through Him might become righteous. 1 Peter 3, 18 and 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. Having looked at Ezra and Nehemiah, consider the book of Esther with me. Esther is about a queen who would save her people from being exterminated. It has to do with God protecting and providing there's a great passage in Esther 4, verses 14 through 16, where Esther is asked the question, Who knows, but for such a time as this, you were appointed. Think about it. When the fullness of time was come, Jesus 
came to the world. Galatians 4 and verse 4, And in the will of God He lived here a perfect life. He went to the cross for our benefit on our behalf, completely sinless. Think about what He has provided for us. Then we come to the book of Job. What does the book of Job tell us about Jesus? Job is a man who learns great patience, and he was already a wonderful man, a godly man, a great man, when you read the opening verses of Job chapter 1. But he went through all types of heartache and pain and grief, and he longed for a mediator. He longed for someone to be a daysman, as one Bible translation puts it in Job 9 and verse 33. A mediator, an umpire, a daysman, someone who will plead my case. We have that person in Jesus. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5. And you think about Job and when he was going through tremendous pain, great sorrow, tremendous difficulty, In Job 19, verse 25, he would say, I know that my Redeemer lives. Then we come to the book of Psalms. Psalms reminds us that Jesus is our shepherd. Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord, He's a powerful shepherd, is. He's a positive shepherd. My, He is a personal shepherd And he is a practical shepherd, my shepherd. What is the shepherd to the sheep? A shepherd is everything to sheep. Feeding, guiding, protecting, helping, loving. We live in a world where the analogy of the sheep and the shepherd may not be something that's well understood, but I think that we can get the idea. It's basically saying God is our everything. He is our refuge and our strength. Psalm 46 and verse 1, He is the one worthy of praise. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Psalm 34 verse 3. In Proverbs, Jesus is our wisdom He's our wisdom, a book about wisdom and the application of real wisdom to our lives, how we need to apply Jesus if we would truly be wise. Colossians 2 verse 3. As you look, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes deals with Solomon who was a super achiever, but he was super disappointed. The book is about the meaninglessness and the emptiness of life, the vanity of life that's lived apart from God. And yet we read in Colossians 2, 9 and 10, in Him, that is Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Whatever makes God, God, Jesus has it and He has it fully. And you are complete in Him. There's meaning and purpose and significance in Jesus. That's why Paul would elsewhere write in Philippians 1:21, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Where is Jesus? Jesus is the author of precious love. The love of husband and wife is beautifully depicted in Song of Solomon. Jesus, as husband to the church, loves His people with a precious and beautiful love. Ephesians 5, 25-27. 
Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. How about Isaiah? Isaiah in many ways has so much to say about Jesus. He would be born of a virgin and his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 7:14. He would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. And in Isaiah 53, you have the last of four great servant songs. Speaking of the servant of the Lord, and in Isaiah 53, Jesus is the suffering servant who would be wounded and bruised and chastised for us. In Jeremiah, who is Jesus? In Jeremiah, you have Jesus as the giver of a new covenant, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. What do you see of Jesus in Lamentations? In the book of Lamentations, a lament. Jeremiah is lamenting the fact that Jerusalem has fallen. What's going on? He is in tears. God cares. He cares for you. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. And Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah 9 verse 1. But God has always cared when people hurt and when they look to Him. Remember when Lazarus died? John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27, Jesus is the one who gives a new heart and a new spirit. You see, when we choose to sin, ladies and gentlemen, something happens to us that is so awful, so horrible, so hideous, that we stand in need of a heart transplant. And spiritually speaking, through Jesus, we are given a new heart and spirit. Daniel. In Daniel chapter 3 and verse 25, he is the Son of God who walks with us in the fiery furnace of affliction. That's what Jesus does. He is a God upon whom we can depend when life gets hard. In this world you will have tribulation, he said, but rejoice, I have overcome the world. John 16, now we look at Ezekiel and Daniel, then we turn to Hosea. Hosea, God is a faithful husband. He cares for His people. You look at the book of Joel. Who is Jesus? Sir, we would see Jesus. He is the giver of the Holy Spirit. Joel 2, 28-32 is fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. Hosea, Joel, and Amos. How is Jesus seen in the book of Amos? The very name Amos means burden bearer. Jesus bears our burden at the cross. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. In Obadiah, a brief one chapter book, what does it tell us about Jesus? It tells us that pride and arrogancy are hated by God. Proverbs 8 and verse 13. And those who walk in pride He is able to bring low. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, now Jonah. What does the Old Testament book of Jonah tell us about Jesus? It reminds us that he is a willing missionary. 
Jonah did not want to go and preach to the people of Nineveh. He tried to run away. Jesus willingly came down. Imagine the Son of God leaving the beauty and glory of heaven to come down and live here and to live here to go to the cross for us. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. What does Micah tell us about Jesus? In Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19, He takes our sins and hurls them into the depths of the sea. What a God! What forgiveness! They're gone. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. God is the avenger of those who do evil. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. God is from everlasting to everlasting, and He is completely holy. Habakkuk 1 and verses 12 and 13. After we look at these, consider the book of Zephaniah. God is the one who is the giver of a remnant. God has always had some faithful people. That's really what the book of Zephaniah indicates. Haggai, the word of the Lord came to me. It's a repeated expression. Well, the word of the Lord, the word Jesus came down. John 1, 1 through 18. And then you look at the book of Haggai as it talks about this. You can see Zephaniah and his emphasis on the remnant. Haggai and the word of the Lord. In the book of Zechariah, We can see in chapter 12 and verse 10 a beautiful prophecy concerning Jesus that He would be pierced for us. Now think about that glorious truth that His hands were pierced, that His feet were pierced, that a spear was thrust into His side. The nail-pierced hands and feet of Jesus, the side where the spear went. And all of this was for us because of His amazing love. And then we come to Malachi. It means in chapter 3 and verse 1, something precious. The messenger would come, the messenger of the covenant. And this messenger is Jesus who would usher in the new covenant, the new testament. The Old Testament says Jesus is coming. The New Testament says... Jesus has come, and He is coming again, and how we need to ready ourselves for that time.